there are now two Canadians that are being detained in China on suspicion of endangering national security. It's interesting timing since this all unfolded after we detained the CFO of Huawei. Paul Evans joins the show. He's a professor of Asia Pacific Studies and Security at UBC. Paul, why haven't the Canadian government issued a travel warning to China? A travel warning is a pretty serious uh, uh, enterprise for the Canadian government, and it's done only when there are uh, real uh, risks for Canadians traveling in a particular area. Uh, with reference to China, the last the, the last travel warning uh, or advisory, as they're called, the last travel travel advisory was on November the 23rd. It hasn't been updated, and at that stage, it was referring to. Uh, some uh, unrest in western China in Xinjiang, but nothing on a uh, on a national basis. The government will only change that if it feels there are significant uh, risks for Canadian travelers or Canadians operating in that country. And in uh, so far, we've had two cases of apparent detainees. But at this point, the judgment of the government is that that's Canadians are not at risk in terms of safety uh, for travel or, or normal operations in, in most of China. This uh, relationship is uh, strained at the moment, and it's an important relationship, uh, Canada's to China, for trade reasons. Do you think that that may be part of the reason that the government is holding off on this travel advisory? Would that send out a very clear and kind of a harsh message to the uh, Chinese government? I think that, you know, my, 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 my sense is, is that Ottawa is observing this carefully. This is not a crisis that it wanted to see uh, uh, grow up at this time, because the Canada-China relationship has multiple dimensions. So many people involved going back and forth, business activities, as you mentioned, and uh, uh, and at the diplomatic and, and political level. So a lot of positive things are happening. And I, I, I think no one wants to see this escalate further. Uh, we have a tough case here with Madam Mung that the courts are, are, are dealing with here in, in Vancouver. And on the China side, um, uh, they um, uh, are so angry with what has taken place around the Hmong affair that they're, they're striking back. I guess mm-hmm. the calculation is that the striking back isn't going to last too long and is going to be restricted to very specific cases. So the general Canadians and uh, the activities they do, whether academics or uh, business people or family mo- members going back and forth, at this point they don't see that at risk. There's a lot of people that look at China now that's opened up to tourism and they think, wow, that would be fun to go on one of those tours, maybe walk the Great Wall of China. What would you say to a loved one who's looking to go on a tour of China right now? Um, don't don't cancel your tickets. Hmm. Uh, get on uh, the flight. We're, the two-way tourism is is huge, and just as even in this dark moment, we're not uh, discouraging Chinese tourists from coming in our direction. of activities are unlikely to be touched in respect to safety or hostility. Um, There there may be certain kinds of people who should be more careful, but not the general tourists. Like who, Paul? Well, I think one kind of of group would be high-profile Canadian executives uh, who are tied into deep commercial relations in technology areas with the United States and China. 
beneath all of this this controversy about Madame Mung uh, and the arrest of Madame Mung, uh, of Madame Mung is this technology war that the United States has declared on China. And I were, if I were a high-level Canadian business person or a high-level American business person at this stage, um, I would be somewhat careful uh, before venturing to China. Uh, this is uh, uh, so clearly a targeting of a high-tech official, uh, Madame Meng from the Chinese case, that if, if retaliation goes up a notch, it might then turn to, to people in the tech field, a Madame Meng equivalent. Uh, that would be one group I think should be very interested in their own <laughs> safety, uh, but that's less than you know, one-tenth of one percent of the people who travel back and forth. What do you make of the United States saying now that they're, at least Trump, that he's willing to intervene uh, in the Meng situation that was really caused by the Americans asking us to detain and extradite her? What do you make of that? Well, this idea that rule of law is independent of politics Maybe a Canadian value and aspiration, but in contemporary United States, the blending of politics and law uh, are unfortunately uh, uh, it's a it's a very close connection. Uh, it's really disappointing. America in fear is not a beautiful sight, and the overall approach of the Trump administration to almost a Cold War-like approach to China uh, is really what's at the, at the, at the baseline of this, uh, of this big problem. And uh, that's a fear based not just with the Trump administration, but China as a pure competitor, as a threat, uh, or, or as an enemy. And uh, in that context, we're going to see a lot of bumps and bruises uh, coming up over the next few months, even in the midst of a truce, as the United States and China are stopping their tariff war. Beneath it is a, is a tech war, and beneath that is a bigger strategic competition. So in that, uh, politics, rule of law um, uh, uh, blend together, uh, both on the China side, but also in the United States. Paul, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been really interesting talking with you. Well, thank you.